I'm your host, Rachel Livinall. This week, we travel down to the Eastern Coachella Valley once again, as reporter VNA talks about vaccine usage and the possible hesitation to get the vaccine. You're listening to COVID-18, a podcast that explores young people's experiences during the pandemic. As vaccines have slowly become more accessible to the public, there has been a collective feeling of gradual healing. Even youth are now able to receive their vaccine. Kobe, a graduating senior in the Eastern Coachella Valley, had the honor of being administered the Johnson & Johnson vaccine by his mom, a nurse for Riverside Health. Like, I kind of call it like a pop-up shop, <laughs> like a vaccine, a vaccinations at um, Martha's Village. And so um, since she was giving the shots there, she told um, me and my brother to go get, get the vaccine. I was like, okay, for sure, yeah, I mean, like, why not? This was something I was also able to take advantage of. Despite not viewing myself as an essential member of society, I was also administered the vaccine. Kobe explains the experience. The whole process of it um, was very comfortable because, like I said before, my mom was the one that facilitated the shot to me. And the side effects weren't bad either. I did have chills for like the next two days, but it was very tolerable. And I just hydrated and um, took care of myself and just made sure that I like, like those chills wouldn't go on for days upon days. And like, and like in the next, like after two days, I was rejuvenated and like ready to go back to normal. Shortly after Kobe received his dosage, on April 12, the FDA momentarily discontinued the Johnson & Johnson vaccine due to six reported severe cases of blood clots. With both of us being on the same boat, Kobe recounted what crossed his mind. I was really scared at first, um, like having got that, that vaccine, uh, social media created a sense of hysteria that made it seem like that statistic was like something to be extremely concerned about. Like, yes, blood clots are something to be nervous about, but the percentage of people that actually got them compared to how many people got the dose is like extremely low. Like, I did research on it and tried to not pay attention to social media like while, while doing that, and like it, it didn't concern me after I did that. Kobe also brought up the topic of systemic disenfranchisement which shed light into who has gotten the short end of the stick. Throughout history, we have seen that people of color have higher rates of unemployment and underrepresentation in good-paying jobs, leaving them with less accessible health care. They fear going to the doctors. I, I don't know the reason. I just, I just noticed it with like, within my own family as well. It's some, some instilled fear and trauma behind it. Dr. Ross, a perinatologist specializing in maternal-fetal medicine as part of UCR Health, reiterates the effects of history and how they have played out in the present. said, historically, um, you know, there is, there's no question that um, people who were part of the establishment made very poor choices, um, whether experimenting on, on women or people of color or performing procedures that they didn't have consent for. So mm -hmm. there's no question that that happened, and there's no question that that has had a huge impact 
um, on the community and their trust of the healthcare system. And so that's understandable um, and completely justifiable. But at the same time, you don't want the community to suffer from the other side of that coin either. So. Ross provides insight as to how these fears should be properly handled. If a person says, well, you know, back in, you know, the early 1970s and the late 60s at USC, they were sterilizing women of color without their consent. So we can never trust the healthcare establishment. I think you respond to that by saying, you know, you're absolutely right. Those sterilizations did happen and they were absolutely wrong. I think that, you know, the evidence speaks for itself. We have to do something to curtail the infection rate in our communities. The apprehensions and distrust towards the medical field are valid. And Daphne, a youth from Coachella Incorporated, speaks on the fears she has encountered. Uh, I heard it from someone um, that they saw on the news that somebody got, after they injected like the vaccine, like their their tongue, like it like, um, it became like longer and wider. And, like, I don't know, it, it was like hanging off of their mouth. The, there's like this idea of like the vaccine having a microchip oh. that can give out your location and like harm your security, right? Kobe expands on how these differences in information could be in part as a result of a technological divide within families. Yes, like with the internet, people are able to pick and choose which news source that like they look at. Someone else could be using Twitter, but on a totally different side of Twitter. Yeah. Like, um, like you know how there's there's like different pockets of like like Twitter groups it's tailored to what you like, and so it just adds on to it, and you get people with different ideas and different, uh, like, arguments. Dr. Ross explains the role hysteria plays in doom scrolling in our search for answers. The anxiety levels are high. People are looking for answers. And a lot of times they will believe whatever they hear more of or whatever they hear more forcefully. This raises the question on where our ethics stand. Daphne emphasizes a point that is oftentimes overlooked when our main goal has been to overcome this pandemic. I don't think that obtaining the vaccine shouldn't be mandatory uh, because, like, you know, people don't feel comfortable or secure with taking it yet. Mm -hmm. Some people don't. And the best option right now is just that the vaccine should be available for the public but not make it mandatory. Subject of ethics and personal choice is tied in with the FDA's recent announcement regarding mask wearing, or lack thereof. Kobe explains his stand on the mandate. Honestly, I fully support it because like outside air is not circulated, so it makes it more difficult for people to catch COVID. Um, and with more people being vaccinated than there are COVID deaths, it's much safer, and that's only going to get better from here. Um, however, I do believe that like wearing a mask in settings adds like the extra level of safety and everyone has that right. For those worried about the vaccine and the return to normality, Daphne explains why it is crucial to honor these fears and how youth can take part in easing them. We can start by getting the vaccine vaccine ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that by showing others that like getting the vaccine and like through time like they like see that there are no side effects or severe symptoms they might start considering it getting as well as they start building trust on it 
Dr. Ross expresses that, as a medical professional, it is important to establish an open-door policy with her patients, something prevalent during these times of incessant doubt. I think education, I think patient education is, is huge. To establish um, a dialogue that allows them to know that you're sincere, mm -hmm. um, and if that means speaking to them in their own language, or if it means, you know, um, sitting down to talk to them as opposed to standing up and, and talking to them as if you're in a hurry, whatever it takes to kind of... Um, convey your sincere concern for the population that you're serving and being willing to answer their questions. As our world progresses and the opportunity to input our personal choice increases, our guests express how their life has changed after the vaccine and how they envision the future. For the average person who is generally healthy and is, um, you know, not elderly, being vaccinated helps to dramatically decrease the risk of them getting infected. So it doesn't eliminate the risk. It doesn't mean that they won't get infected by COVID, but it decreases the likelihood. And if they are infected, then it decreases the chance of them having a severe um, infection or dying from the disease. It still does not eliminate it. Everybody wants the virus to stop spreading, and in order for that to happen, I think that we all have to like put our grain of rice, like it's like a saying in Spanish, yeah. um, <laughs> um, to like have hand sanitizer and a mask, and like if possible, be vaccinated to like decrease the odds of like contracting uh, a disease. Definitely ease a lot of the stress and the angst that came with in-person interaction, like. Um, fearing that someone's gonna call for you, or like just like the fear of even if you're like six feet away, like six feet away, and talking to someone that you're, you're still gonna get it, you know, mm -hmm. it eased that a lot. It also made me feel like a selfless citizen because I know that I'm protecting others around me as well, and um, like just contributing to this, like to this huge pandemic, you know, just doing something good for the world. The proximity of a hint of normalcy is inspiring for those in the workforce. They will be getting back to their routines and the closeness they once had with those around them. For our youth, the vaccination process has opened them to dream beyond the confines of their home and back onto the paths that were paused, and they will be re-entering them with a newfound perspective. Next week, we're heading back down to Pomona as reporters Samantha and Angela speak a little bit more about their personal experience during the pandemic. This is a production of K Madre and Youth Leadership Institute. I'm your host, Rachel Levinall.